0: Hello and welcome to this month's episode of the Monday Media Podcast. I'm your host Gemma Kinzer and in this episode we'll be spilling all the tea on everything you need to know about the art of filmmaking. And here with me today to talk about their experiences is Lewis Clements.
1: Hello everybody, hello. Thanks for having me Gemma.
0: Welcome to the podcast Lewis. (laughs) it's
1: an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: (laughs) You have been a part of so many projects over the years so let's kick things off with letting us know who you are, and where your filmmaking journey began?
1: So I'm a creative film director, videographer, and in general, you know, filmmaker. I think I created my first short film in college, which was a zombie film, which I think it's becoming a bit of a trend now, where every, stu- every student has to sort of make a zombie film. So, And then in my last year of university, I created a short film called Eviction. I'm not sure if you've seen the daytime TV show, Can't Pay or Take It Away. Living with those uh, student life hours, waking up at like 11 uh, in the morning even though class was at nine. I sat on the settee with a cup of tea and my toast and I was watching uh, bailiffs evict vulnerable people. I thought, why not make a film about it? And that really is the film that sort of, you know, pushed me a bit further to, you know, continually challenge myself. So it did really well. It was the biggest production I've worked on to date, without a doubt, in terms of, you know, Sourcing cast and crew and locations and organisation in general, but I did really well and won quite a few awards worldwide at various film festivals. And the big one for me was being accepted into Birmingham Film Festival because it was so close to home. And my film be- before that hadn't been accepted, and I thought this time I've got to conquer the hometown. Shortly after that, created a after graduating, created a short comedy called My Father. I struggled to sum it up to pe- people. To be honest with you, it's a drama day. It's a really stupid film to be honest with you, but after making horror for so many years, I sort of just wanted to push in another direction, and I've loved comedy, you know, since growing up and watching films that sort of take me to, you know, another world. And creating this, it's just it was a, an experience that for sure that's for sure one of the fun one of the funniest shoots I've been on.
0: The lead actor in my father, he was in lottery advert, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: his, his name's Varan Panchalingam. Yeah, he was in the National Lottery advert as well. That was after, so I didn't find him. <laughs> I wasn't talent scouting on the Lottery adverts, don't worry.
0: Oh, gosh, what a name. Was that? That's so cool. Because I remember seeing all the posts, what you were doing about my father, and then the Lottery advert came on. And I was like, why does he look familiar? He was like, he looks so familiar. <laughs> and then I went on your I went on your film, My Father Instagram page, and I was like, oh, my God, it's him. It's him. I was like, it's how true. the hell has Lewis found it?" <laughs> I was like, that's so cool. Would you say you're more a director or a cinematographer or even a borderline producer?
1: I would definitely say I'm not a cinematographer. I'm still learning, still learning, um, you know, in terms of lighting and and general cinematography. There's a lot to learn, a lot to pick up. Producing, I've produced a lot, but I'm not sure if I can say I enjoy the process. (laughs) It's got to be done. Yeah, in terms of uh, shopping for props and putting my actors in wacky costumes, that's probably the most fun I have with it. (laughs) As for uh, drafting up, production schedules and stuff like that so like i, I- prefer someone else to do. <laughs> but no, i definitely see myself as a director, to be honest with you.
0: So not only have you worked on big productions, you also occasionally upload YouTube sketches. And back in the day, you uploaded some very weird creations, which looks like they were filmed on an old camcorder. Was this your first taste of filmmaking? Uh, Is this bringing back cringy this memories? This bringing
1: back a lot of cringy mem- memories. Jesus.
0: <laughs> You've even got the one YouTube sketch video and you're wearing, like, it looks like an elephant trunk. Oh, my
1: God. One. Don't post the link anywhere. <laughs> right. Don't post it anywhere. No one can see this. This is stuff that's going to haunt me. <laughs>
0: that elephant trunk mask thing, it reminded me of like a board game thing. I don't know what it was. It was like you could like, oh, not like hook. Why do I think of hook a duck? It was, you know, one where you could throw like rings and like catch yeah. them on like a trunk I of an elephant.
1: that was the exact mask, to be honest with you.
0: Oh, my <laughs> God. That but, just proves how old I am remembering
1: that. Yeah, weirdly that sort of thing's carried on through there, hasn't it? Me mm. putting people in weird masks and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. From a young age, I've always been crying a lot of weird stuff, quite bizarre stuff. And it's always stuff that I've I've sort of found funny. But no, thank you for bringing up those horrible memories. And <laughs> an <laughs> old Camcorder when I was about twelve years old, filming sketch shows.
0: No, I used to do that when we, I used to always get my parents' old camcorder and like every Christmas, whenever my family and cousins would come around, we'd like force our family to watch like a little Christmas get together. (laughs) It was just so cringy looking back on it. And I used to do little, I used to edit on Movie Maker. Yeah. And oh my gosh, and like using the effects and everything. And like, I used to have like my own little YouTube channel for it. And I'm (laughs) so happy I deleted the channel with all those videos. But I would like to look back on it to be like, oh my God, maybe uh, this was the start. So it's just, it's just cool seeing how far we've come. But also going back to your YouTube videos, that you have a very weird sense of humor, which don't get me wrong, I absolutely love weird (laughs) sense of humors. But How do you incorporate your humour into your projects?
1: To be honest with you, there's a few directors that I follow quite closely, one of them being Jim Hosking. I think I I discovered The Greasy Strangler, which he wrote and directed a few years ago, Um, and most recently An an Evening with Beverly Loughlin. I've never seen something like it. It's the most wackiest thing I've ever seen, and it sort of made me feel more comfortable about making films with going crazy, basically, because I've always... Been a slightly reserved thinking. God, Lewis, what what are you writing? What are you doing? People are going to think that you are crazy. And when, as soon as I watched some of his productions, I was like, Lewis, go crazy! If this guy's doing it, why can't you do it? So, in previous films like Eviction and stuff like that, there was like you know like a, it was like a gritty British horror, but there are elements of sort of silliness in there almost, and sort of like. That's just totally ridiculous. And that's me trying to push it through a little bit now. But And then after that, when my father came, it was like, right, Lewis, you're ready to just make whatever now. And I think that's what I'm sort of still trying to do now is continuously pushing different directions. You know, Eviction was great and my father's really good as well. But I wouldn't go back to making something like that. I want to continu- continuously keep moving. And that doesn't mean necessarily hopping from genre to genre, but, you know... I want to create something that's quite, you know, mysterious and beautiful, but, you know, totally ridiculous at the same time.
0: (laughs) I think that's the best part about these. It's like you're taking something, you're taking an original idea, but you're adding your own unique spin on it. You're telling it in a way that hasn't been told before. And with Eviction and My Father, they're both very different genres in a sense. Would you say, with Eviction, I'd say... That was like thriller slash horror. Yeah. And with My Father, it's more like the comedy group and self-discovery film. What was harder to write? Was horror or comedy?
1: They were both quite fairly straightforward to write, to be honest with you. Eviction more so because after watching so many episodes, I can't pay or take it away. I just I sort of knew what I was going for. I sort of knew what I wanted. I wanted to create a horror based upon this TV series. I had to do a few table reads with a few people, so I, w- I would actually say Eviction was more, more difficult to write because I think that had more of a, you know, it had twists and turns, and I think you've got to be, put a bit more work into the script when you're incorporating those sort of things. Whereas my father was absolutely, you know a thrilling ride to write because it was so, so ridiculous. I had so much fun writing it and, you know, I'd go to my friend's house and I'd go through the script and we'd both just be absolutely in tears and just developing it and and just coming up with more just silly sort of, you know, pathways for uh, Tariq, who Varan plays for, to, to follow.
0: Eviction was made while she was still at university and um, my father was made when you graduated from university. What was the difference between making a film while still being a student in education compared to being away from that? Would you say it's harder in terms of like resources, support, management, etc.? Yeah, et cetera?
1: Definite, definitely. It was a lot more difficult with my father because, yeah, like you said, I didn't really have support, but I did take the experience and stuff like that that I had with Eviction and working on that and I, and I put it into my father's production. So, you know there was a lot of sleepless nights with eviction, you know filming from like eight o'clock in the morning till two a m and spending months on the edit. and I had months to work on it because obviously I was in education, but push yourself as much as you can in education whilst you're making films because you will greatly benefit from that experience when you come out of it and you want to, you want to continue creating because at the end of the day you are you know, if you can't get a producer, you can't get someone else to do to do the organisational stuff. You are the producer, you are the director, you are the caterer, you're the casting director, <laughs> you are, you know, the driver, you are everything and you're on your own two feet. So it's all on you. If something goes wrong, it's on your head, it's your production. You could make a film with someone else. I tend to make my own scripts only because I, I feel like there's a lot more to explore with my own stuff.
0: I've noticed that your films all have something in common And with that being said, your films have a very British... Approach on situations. You like to include a lot of British components within your film settings. So, for example, like the film director Edgar Wright, you have used a similar technique to the Cornetto reference. And your use of this in your film Eviction, you used a Cadbury's Twirl chocolate bar, which I thought was a cool, unique twist on things. And you also included the 1980, I think that's the year it came out, Family Fortunes TV show hosted by Les. Les Dennis. Les Dennis. Also, <laughs> this made an appearance in Eviction. So could you tell us what your inspirations behind this is and why do you think it's important to include British elements within your films?
1: Well, I think firstly by just, you know, I think I did my uh, dissertation on the British film industry and I managed to get like a deeper look into it and I saw what a uh, sort of shamble it was at the moment. So... I think it's they're pulling wool over our eyes in a way because the industry itself in the, the British industry is you know quite dead to be honest with you it's currently quite dead um every time you know I think I watched ghost stories last year which was uh, you know branded greatest british horror and stuff like that when it was actually you know produced and financed by Lionsgate, an American film studio. And all, all these productions, well, you know, not all of them, but a majority are all branded British films, but the money's going back into the US. I, I don't know why, to be honest with you. I, th- I think it's because I connect more with British sort of elements as well. And, you know, I always worried about how the film would travel, but I think I was getting a bit ahead of myself there. I think I, I listened to a podcast with Edgar Wright, and he said that when he, they played Shaun and the Dead, at A film festival, and he stood. He stood in stood in the uh, the crowd, and when the cornetto joke was cracked, it was just dead silence. He couldn't hear a pin drop because they don't have Cornettos in the US, oh, so gosh. they had no idea what the joke was all about. So obviously, I worried about you know twelve. I think they got twelves in the US. I think they got that, but still, it wouldn't have the same effect, would it? Yeah, twelves and Family Fortunes and Les Dennis. I mean, these are really British British elements, and yeah, a hundred percent. The, the quick transitions and the twirl was definitely a homage to, to Edgar Wright, because I, I do love Edgar Wright's work. Utilising, you know, like the, the twirl and Family Fortunes and that is, I guess, me just, you know, sort of pushing Britishness in people's faces a little bit more. More so because I do, I enjoy it anyway, but I thought it'd be quite weird to have, have the serial killer obsessed with Les Dennis. <laughs> also, I think he's the best presenter for Family Fortunes.
0: What? Valuable lessons have you been able to take away from working on these big scale productions? And is there anything you wish you had taken a different approach to?
1: Every filmmaker, after every production, is always going to think to himself, you know, why didn't I do this? Could have done this? Or, you know, you're always going to look back and want to change things. But I think these things happen for a reason. You know, you're supposed to make mistakes because how are you supposed to improve? So I'm, you know, please sounds a bit weird to have failed at times but I was pleased that things went wrong because how can you improve unless things go wrong
0: all of your hard work has definitely paid off as you have won an extensive amount of film festival awards which you definitely deserve what film festivals have you been a part of and in your opinion what have been your biggest achievements from them
1: I mean, worldwide, there's been there's been quite a few. Like Italy, um, I can't remember the festival names off the top of my head. Italy, Canada, USA. Um, one was in India, actually. One of the one of the ones I'm most proud of is just being accepted into Birmingham Film Festival, just because it's so close to home. But as soon as it was accepted and it was, you know, it was shown, it's sort of I've, I, I sort of thought to myself, you know, I want more than this. I, I, I continually want more. And he won, you know, best local film at the Birmingham Horror Fest and stuff like that. And, you know, I I got a little trophy in the post and stuff like that. But when I, you know, I put it on my desk and I just look at it, I think it's just not enough. It's just not enough. And that's something that continually scares me, to be honest with you, is that I'm not challenging myself and pushing myself further because, and it's a catch-22 because I'm, I'm scared that I'm not, challenging myself and crossing more boundaries. But at the same time, when I get to it and I'm challenging myself, I'm sort of taken back a bit, a little bit nervous. And I'm like, Jesus, am I really doing this? So it's like, (laughs) when will I ever be satisfied? I don't know.
0: What has the process with going into these film festivals been like for you?
1: I mean, it's always quite nerve-wracking, to be honest with you, when you actually see it on a big screen when there's lots of other random people in the screen because you're always going to wonder... What they're going to think of it, how they're going to react—go
0: hard or go home. Go
1: hard or go home, yeah. And it's—I I think at the Birmingham Horror Fest, it was on like the, the old IMAX in Millennium Point. So that screen is gigantic. I thought, oh my god, it's going to be blown up on that size. <laughs> and I don't know why, but they had—they had the whole schedule of films. They must not have watched Eviction when they actually put it. I don't know. They must have watched ten minutes or something, but not watched it to the end because they scheduled Eviction before like a a small drama after, which was called, I think it was called uh, Tea for Two. And it was about like a, you know, an old woman um, and her daughter and sort of, you know, I think she was, you know, experiencing some sort of illness and, you know, it was quite sad. And there was a group of, you know, eight to ten elderly women in the screen.
0: No way. Seriously.
1: And I I looked up and I was like, oh, God, I was like, what? (laughs) Not like, what are they doing here? They're not allowed to be here. (laughs) But like... Do they know that eviction's going to be played? So like, eviction was before their film, so it's not like they could watch theirs and go. <laughs> and then there was a kid in there at first as well. That the, the organizer had to take him out. And then obviously, there's such quite harsh language in the film. So when the language was coming out, it was silence, and I was like, oh god. And then I think some of the some of the gags they did really laugh at. And at the end, it was sort of just like the squeamish, oh, oh, there's a reaction. I was like, all right, I'll take, that. I'll take <laughs> that. As long as it's not like walking out sort of uh, stuff.
0: Were you like sinking down in your I chair? Was, yeah,
1: I was sliding down just thinking, oh, God, like, nah, to be honest, I don't really care. <laughs> I was actually excited to hit, see their reaction. Like, I got a bit of a thriller. I was thinking, God, they're going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're going to go for a cup of tea after and bloody think, what have I just watched? <laughs>
0: I mean, with film festivals, they can provide filmmakers with extensive opportunities for exposure and networking, whether or not your film is being screened. And what is also great about them is that Anyone can access them Mm -hmm. and gives you another path to follow with your project, regardless of how big or small the festival is. Just submitting could open so many doors for you, like you never know who's going to watch your project. But I would also recommend, even if you haven't submitted anything or made a film, I'd say still go to a film festival to watch because it's such a great experience and you're in a room full of creative people and watching everyone's films, it is really motivating, and that could be the light bulb moment for you to feel inspired to create something.
1: Yeah, i definitely agree.
0: Would you say in recent years that filmmakers are now falling into this trap of creating films in order for them to win awards instead of creating for the sake of creating?
1: definitely. Yeah, I think... I think, to be honest with you, film festivals could be seen as that trap, because, I mean, there's hundreds, thousands, definitely thousands of people creating films, and then they'll maybe put in, you know, the casting call, Uh, this film will be submitted to film festivals, and it's like, well, film festivals are great, you're going to network, people are going to see your work, and stuff like that, but... That shouldn't be the reason that you want to do it, and I, I can, you know, openly admit that. When I first started making films, all I wanted to do was get into a film festival. All I wanted to do was for it to be accepted, so I knew that I was at a level that it was good enough to be, you know, put on a stage. But that I think that's a crack that you can fall through. To be honest with you, I think the best are the ones that I filmed for the purpose of either wanting to, you know, paint paint a picture, tell a message, or in general. If you're me, you just want to take all these crazy thoughts out of your head and put it into a film.
0: At the end of the day, it's not about how many film festival awards you win. It's not about the money or the fame or even for the recognition. We create for the pure joy of creating and that's what it should be about. With some universities, you get the opportunity to enter into a university-based film festival which can... Also, you know, you can even get like international people submitting into them. And it gives you like a little taste of that experience of seeing your work on the big screen, which is like a great achievement in itself, because you just never imagined that your film would be like on a big screen. So it's quite it's quite cool to see that. But I think it also gives you a taste of what film festivals are actually like. Speaking of all of your projects and you've made some amazing films over the years which I know because it's you it's not going to end this is still only (laughs) the beginning do you have any plans for future productions
1: as it stands right now I'm sort of putting all my energy into my work mainly because it's something that I am passionate now I'm finding myself really passionate about which is you know quite hard to find when you can say that work is fun (laughs) but it is becoming really fun I'm I'm you know, being given the freedom to make whatever I want. So at the moment, I guess, uh, in terms of, you know, productions outside, they are sort of on a halt. I mean, I've got a few small ones in the pipeline, which, again, is me pushing and experimenting. It's nothing nothing big and serious.
0: As much as I'd love to talk to you about your very bizarre creations, I have a few questions from the listeners.
1: Oh, here
0: we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that's your response. I like, oh, okay. <laughs> Is it going
1: to be something about my YouTube videos when I was 15 years old?
0: <laughs> How do you maintain a film production company?
1: I think in terms of, you know, keeping your website updated and your showreel updated, I think it comes naturally. I think most of the work that you'll probably get is either word of, word of mouth or if, you know, you, you, you're pushing your work out there on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that.
0: Someone has asked, has your film festival experience impacted your films?
1: Well, so the only film it could have really impacted then is My Father. I think... Um, I don't know whether film festivals are that much of a key tool nowadays. Like we said, they're great. They're great for networking. They're great if you're accepted. You're going to build your confidence. If you get an award, you build your confidence. It's going to get seen by people. How often your film gets picked up, you know, I, I think I got one email actually for a distribution deal from America asking for it to be part, Eviction to be a part of a horror anthology.
0: That's so um, cool.
1: But he said that the only thing is you need to take, Les Dennis out and Family Fortunes because obviously that's that's the Fremantle Media and ITV have the rights to that, which I, I cleared before. But he'd have to clear and the, he'd probably charge him God knows how much. So I said I said no in the end because it, it take it take away the context from from the actual film itself. And
0: do you feel like you missed out on an opportunity there?
1: Nah, not really, not really. To be honest, I didn't. I haven't even thought about it twice. Mainly because the film wouldn't be the same without that. I needed the footage from Family Fortunes. It's just, I'd have to re-edit it and maybe I wouldn't be happy with it then. So I just said no. It's not like it was the biggest horror franchise in the world anyway.
0: To end off this podcast, what advice would you give to people looking into submitting their films to festivals and even to people who are unsure of submitting to festivals?
1: I would just get it out there and see what people think because I think one of the worst things you can do as a creator, and we all do it, is not put your work out there. And it's just that again, that's another trap you can fall into. I've got a God, God knows how many pieces that I just will never see the light of day. And it's a shame, really, because just because you don't like them doesn't mean other people won't. So I think and I've tried to learn from that a lot as well. No matter what it is, just put it out there. It doesn't matter. Put it out there because that piece of content might be the piece of content that changes everything for you. Submit them. Pick your festivals correctly. Uh, look at the terms and the rules because half the time you could get turned down. I probably got uh, turned down for eviction because maybe some of them said no nudity or something like that. Probably didn't read them properly. I'm just making excuses now. <laughs> um, Me, <laughs> but yeah, and, and if you don't want to submit to film festivals and you don't have the money, there's plenty of platforms out there that will do the job for you.
0: I relate so much to what you said about like you know we've probably got like loads of projects under our belts that we we'll never probably won't see the light of the day, and I relate to that so much. Mm. So. I shall definitely have to listen to your advice on that <laughs> so thank you for finally being a part of the podcast no and been. congratulations been. on all of your success with your films and I am looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you and Elsie Pictures. Thank you everyone for listening, and hope you will join us again for another episode.